You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Before Luke comes up to teach, I just wanted to read Psalm 96 for you, which is what he'll be teaching through. Um, So it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. You just bow your heads and pray with me. Um, Heavenly Father, you are so great. You have made everything. Um, Nick said that he was just out in California seeing all your beauty. And it's, it's incredible that it, we don't have to go anywhere to see it. It's all around us. And um, we thank you for not only being a great God, um, but a good God as well. One who not only creates the heavens and the earth and all of the amazing things um, that you've blessed us with, but you've created us and you care about us and you see us. Um, and I pray that our hearts would turn to you as a result of that to just do what the psalm says, to ascribe to you the glory due your name, that we would just respond in thankfulness and awe and trembling um, because you are so great and so good. Um, I pray for Luke as he gets up and teaches. Um, I pray that we would have hearts to hear um, and that he would just be given your words to speak from your scripture um, and that you would just be powerful in this place. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Paige. Um, guys, we are, we're excited about what's coming up at, at Anthem. And, and as Paige was saying, with SEC coming up, super excited about that. It was funny because if you were here last week, we showed a video and I realized I didn't even address the fact that I was holding the baby randomly in the video. And if you're like, yeah, I didn't see that. Don't know what you're talking about. It'll be up online later today. I just realized I forgot to put that online. Anyway, we're, we're excited about the things that are happening. So during the month of July, make sure that, that you put that on your calendars and, and youth and Yes, it's, it's exciting. This morning, as Paige read, we are going through the Psalms uh, this summer. So if you, if you haven't turned there already, we're going through Psalm 96, as, as she read. And, and uh, as you're turning there, if you're turning there, um, there if you, have, you ever been, have you ever been in a place where you're just kind of like in a mood? Like, uh, you know what I'm talking about? We're just, you're just in a bad mood. And, and I was talking to Austin earlier. He said he's always happy. So uh, maybe you're like Austin. You've never been in that, in that place. But, but have you ever been in a mood where you're just, maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe there's not. But, but you, you get in your car or maybe you pull up your playlist and, and uh, you, you start to hear a song. And, and maybe, maybe it's like uh, Justin Timberlake, like, I got this feeling. 
inside my bones, right? You, you know what I'm talking You can <laughs> sing the next song, and, and you're, you, you, know, you don't start singing to it right away because you're still in a mood, right? But then it's like, it goes like, you just can't, you just can't not, and maybe that's not your jam. Maybe you have a different song that you, that you listen to, but you know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, your, your feet are tapping, you're, you know, you're snapping along, and you're singing that song, and that mood that you had is just kind of, it just evaporates, right? Have you ever been in that situation? So, no, okay, nobody. Yes, all right, Jason. Yes, all right, thank you. I appreciate that. I love the affirmation. That's what the Psalms do for us. As, as we think about what the Psalms are and why they're in Scripture, I believe that, that as we read them and as we go through them, they are songs that were sung in different situations, different, uh, different things that would happen. In, in this Psalm, in Psalm 96, we, we read in 1 Chronicles um, chapter 16, this was a psalm that was read, and, and I don't know if they wrote it for the occasion or if they just took what was already written, and, and they sang this psalm when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back into the midst of God's people. The Ark, the thing that represented God's physical, uh, his physical pres- presence, it was stolen because the Israelites had walked away from God, and, and the Ark was taken away, but now David is bringing the Ark back, and they're singing this song. And what we see in music and what we see through the Psalms is the the purpose of them. It's to help us connect more fully what is in our heads to what is in our hearts. It's to help us understand the truths of God more fully. It's it's just like that song earlier. There's something that happens when we read poetry and when we sing along with Psalms. We We just feel it differently. And this morning, I believe that as we go through this psalm, which is, a, which is a beautiful call to worship, what I believe the psalmist wants us to experience and what he wants us to ask ourselves is, what does it mean to be a true worshiper of God? And when I mean worshiper of God, a true worshiper of God, I don't mean, do you, do you raise your hands or do you not? I don't mean, do we have drums or do we not? I don't mean, do just this one hour on Sunday morning, I mean, I mean what, what does it mean? What does it look like? What, what does that entail to be a true worshiper of God? So that's where we're going this morning. I want to I wanna pray for us as we go there. God, I do pray um, that you would speak to us. I pray that you would speak through me. Give me clarity. Um, help me to, to, to convey the truths that you have placed on my heart through this psalm. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name. Amen. That was surprising, right? It was like magic. Uh, trying to think of if there's any good jokes right now. All right, all right. Thanks, Keaton. We, you guys, we have some awesome people helping us out. So yeah, there we go. All right. I don't know what he just did there behind me, but I'm sure it was important. So. Uh, as all right, the first thing that we see as we think about what does it mean to truly worship God. All right, the, the first thing that we see is the psalmist, he, says, he tells us to sing three different times. He says, he says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Three times he says, sing, 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 sing. Okay, And then, and then after that he says, tell. And then after that he says, declare. And maybe for you, you're, you're sitting there thinking, oh man, if, if being a true worshiper of God means I need to be a singer, I, I may be out because God didn't bless me with that. Maybe for you it's more the declaring thing. Right? And those two things, as I read that, those mean different things, don't they? They take different forms. I was thinking about uh, a, a show 
called The Office. And uh, don't go out and be like, oh, my pastor endorsed this show. No, don't do that. But, but there, there's a show, The Office, and one episode, the, Michael Scott, the main character, he, he has some financial difficulties, and so he decides he's going to declare bankruptcy. You guys know what I'm talking about, some of you. And so he walks out in the middle of The Office, and what, he says, I declare bankruptcy! And another character says, hey, you know, like, to declare bankruptcy, you have to do more than just say, I declare bankruptcy. And he says, well, I didn't say it, I declared it, right? There's a difference. When we see the idea of sing to the Lord, tell, declare, maybe, maybe for you, you're more the declaring type. But for whatever it is, I believe that what we see in this psalm as the psalmist is, is calling people to worship, what we see is to be a true worshiper of God. It comes out of an overflow of our experience with God. You see that? First he says, sing to the Lord a new song. Now, is the psalmist saying that because he's tired of singing, like, this is amazing grace every Sunday? Like, is, is, that, is that what he's saying? No, I don't, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he's saying is we should have a response to God that is as fresh as his mercies are. And we know in Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, you have it up on the screen. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Right? The psalmist is saying to be a true worshiper of God means we need to understand God in a fresh way that's, that's new to us in the same way that his mercies are new every morning. And I'll be honest with you that there are times in my life where it feels as though the reality of God to me is anything but fresh. I, I was actually just, it was interesting that I was preaching on this because I was just talking to my wife a couple weeks ago. And I was saying, you know, it just feels as though, like, just the reality of God to me is just, it just feels stale at times. Can I, can I, can I say that as a pastor? That there, there are times where it feels as though it's just, it doesn't feel as fresh. It doesn't feel as, as real. Just God's reality, his constant reality, his, the fact that his mercies are new, it doesn't feel as fresh to me. At times, and I can feel it when that happens. When 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 the mercies of God are fresh in my life, and when it feels like it's just it's just new and it's constant and it's there, like I'll wake up in the mornings just just having the Lord's prayer going through my head, and and those are things that that I cultivate. And I wake up in the mornings thinking, Our Father who art God, you're my Father. You are real to me. You are you want relationship with me. Who art in heaven? You are in charge. You are who art in heaven. Hallowed be set apart. Let your name be. I have the Lord's prayer running through my head. I, I'm, I'm singing like worship songs. I'm, I'm in this state where the realities of God just vertically in my life cause me to just want to sing new things because I'm seeing them in different ways and fresh ways and, and I'm seeing them do things in my life and the Holy Spirit is active and, and present. But there are times where I feel it and it's, it's different than that. And, and instead of waking up with the Lord's Prayer running through my head, I wake up with, with like the, the TV show that I fell asleep to running through my head instead. Instead of, instead of being in this constant state of just understanding God's reality, I'm, I'm more thinking about the podcasts that I listen to, talking about North Korea and all these different things. And, and that's more of a reality in my life than, than the constant new mercies of God. Right? And yet what the psalmist is saying to be true worshipers of God, we need to bring ourselves in a position where vertically we, we are in the, the realities of God. His constant his lamentation says his mercies are new every morning. 
And what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we need to go beyond the gospel. I'm not saying we need to go beyond what Jesus has done in our lives because that's what the psalmist says also. It says in verse 2, Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. It says tell of his salvation from day to day. Guys, God has done amazing works in my life and I know in a lot of your lives here. The reality for me is that God saved me back in 1998 at, at church camp, and, and I was running so hard in the opposite direction. I had just graduated high school. I was getting ready to go to, to college at Central Methodist. To, this was the last time I was going to church camp as a youth, and I had brought alcohol, and I brought like a carton of cigarettes. Like I, I didn't even smoke that much. I don't, even, I don't know what I was thinking. Like I, I brought those things to church camp. Yes, yeah, I was that kid. And, and the reality was I was saying, God is not going to get me this time. God's not going to get me. I was running so hard in the opposite direction, and yet the very first night of church camp, before there was any teaching, before there was any singing, God just came into my life, and he said, you're going to follow me now, and he saved me. And he brought me into right relationship with him, and I submitted my life to him, and I repented of my sins. You see, the reality is that God has done amazing works in our lives. I, I love the fact that um, 1 Corinthians, I love how Paul says it in uh, chapter 15, verse 55 through 57. It says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reality is, is that we live in victory if we are in Christ. And the, the gospel that saved me back in 1998 is still the gospel, the reality that Jesus Christ has saved me is still the reality that is saving me even today and sanctifying me and making more like him when I get frustrated with my kids and say things I shouldn't and have to repent and ask for forgiveness. When I get angry at people who don't know how to drive in roundabouts, <laughs> right? Amen. You know what, I, that is sanctifying, going through those roundabouts. And you're just like, why do you stop those? God, forgive me, right? And guys, when, when I, like not too long ago, when I lie or try and present myself as, as better than I am or when I talk about people, and you can, you can use churchy language all you want to, but when you gossip, when you, when, you, when you say things about other people, like all these different things, the reality is the thing that we're supposed to sing about, the realities of God in our lives that, we, that are supposed to be new and, and bring us more into relationship with him. It's the same, the same thing that saved me back in 1998, and it's the same thing that I need when I, when I mess up with my kids and the roundabouts and when I lie and gossip, all those different, it's the same thing that says, oh, he has taken those things away and I can repent and I can turn, and I can find forgiveness and freedom. from the, And I don't have to be bound by those sins anymore. That's what we're, that's what we're singing about and declaring and telling. That's his, his marvelous works. That's what the psalmist is saying. Just like, oh, bring yourself into that reality. And yet at times, those things can be so distant that it's like, well, maybe that's what happened then. Maybe, maybe I just got emotional then, and I don't know if it's really real now. So what does it look like for us to, to be in that place where it's not stale, but it's fresh, and it's new, and it's, it's what he's done? He, you see, to be, to be true worshipers of God it means that we understand we have a response to God that is as fresh as his mercies are new every morning. 
But then the psalmist, he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he begins to talk about declaring, right? Three times in, in 7 through 8, he says, he says, ascribe. He says, tell, declare. And then 7 through 8, he says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of all the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Three times it says ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. And what does it mean to ascribe? It means to, to give, give worth to the right things. It means to see the right, that means to, to make much of the right things. And he says, ascribe to God glory and strength and honor. What does that mean? What does glory mean? John Piper, he says it this way, glory is the going public of God's infinite worth. I like how he says that. He, he goes on to say, glory is the radiance of his manifold, which means just multifaceted. It's his, his manifold, infinitely worthy, valuable perfection. In layman's terms, for me, trying to figure that out, it means, it means I make much of God. It reminds me of when, like, when my kids were younger and we were trying to help them figure out what's, how do you use money well and what do you do with money. And, and we give, give our kids an allowance if they do their chores. And, and my son, he just has these grandiose ideas of what he's going to do with this money. You know, it's like, like $2 used to be just a, a million dollars to him. And it's like, oh, I'm going to do so much with this. And, and $5, it's like all this stuff. And, and it's like I'm going to save up to get a car because he's getting older. I'm going to save up to do all these different things. And he has all these ideas of what he's going to what he's gonna do with this money until we went to like Target and then it's like the Pokemon cards they just have this like draw to them like there's this like tractor beam effect for my son and it's like I'm gonna save for a car Pokemon you know it's like you know it's like buddy you know aren't you gonna save for these different things it's like yeah I'm gonna uh maybe not I'm just gonna buy this you know it's like what what he's doing is he's giving worth to things that are they're, they're nothing. They're, they're just paper. They're going to, to go away in time. And he's, he's ascribing too much worth to the wrong things. And we do that. We do that. We, we, we pay prices for things that are, that are, that are not worth it. We, we, give, we give honor. We make much of things. Maybe it's for you it's sports. Maybe for you it's, it's comfort or, uh, I don't know, career. I, when, when I was pastoring back in Sumner, it seemed like every time the, the summertime would roll around, it's like everybody, their God was the river, you know, and everybody would go to the river during the weekends, and it's like, I'm just living for the weekend if I can just get to the river, and yet, yet we see in those things, like whatever, whatever you're making much of, if it's not God, at some point, it will let you down. He says, he says ascribe glory and honor to God. And, and, then, and then he goes on and he talks about what, is that, what does that look like in verses 8 through 9. It says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. He's saying, he's saying look, when, when you make much of God, it's going to, to, to show in your actions. It's going to reflect in what you do. In, in this, he's saying, come into God's presence. If you make much of God, come in, bring an offering, bring, bring yourself, bring the things that you have and, and, and give it to God, make much of God with it. Come into those places. In, in this setting, it was the temple, it was the tabernacle where God's presence was. And he said, come into that. Bring yourself into places where you experience God more fully. For you, for me, maybe it's, maybe it's spending more time in the word of God than, than I do before the TV. 
Maybe it's spending more time focusing on, on what, what God has said about me, spending more time thinking about God than I am thinking about the new Avengers movie. Maybe for me it's, it's, it's spending more time just in those places where I can experience God in a new and fresh way in his word, in community, rather than all the other things that could take up my time. He's saying, come into God. Come into those places. Let your actions reflect what you truly value. And then he says, he says, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And what that means in this, in this time period, it, it, it can be um, also translated in, in the garments of holiness, in the, in the clothing of holy, holiness. You see, in, in this time period, the Israelites, when they would come into the temple, they had to wear certain clothing. And they had to put these different things on, and it represented all this different stuff. And, and the main thing it represented was a set-apartness, a holiness, that when they were coming in before God, it was different than anything else. It reflected a heart that was completely set apart to him, a heart that didn't want anything else, a heart that wasn't fragmented or segmented by anything else, but it was a heart that was wholly God's. And yet the problem with the Israelites, especially we see the progression throughout the Old Testament and then even into the New Testament, the problem was that it became more about their actions than it did about their heart and where they were before God. They stopped making much of God and they started making much of themselves. And we see that in Isaiah 1, 11 through 17. I want to read it for you. It says, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? He's saying, when you come before me, who, who's required that of you? He says, bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Man, that's intense, right? That is intense. What God is saying is he's saying you're in the right place. You're going through the right actions, but your heart is far from me. Your, your heart is segmented. It's fragmented. It's going after all these. You're making much of things that, that are sin. He's saying don't just come before me with the right actions. He says in verse 16, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. He's saying, look, guys, don't just, don't just come into the right places. Don't just say, well, I'm in, I'm in church on Sunday morning. You're talking to me about what it means to be a true worshiper. I think I got that down. I even raised my hands. So I think I know what this, this is all about. God's saying, look, if you're going to make much of me, it has to, like, it's going to be reflected in, in way more than where you spend an hour on Sunday morning. It's more than that. It's where is your heart, is your heart magnifying the glories of God, putting him on display? Because that's what it means to be a true worshiper of God. See, when we, when we do this, when we begin to understand God in this way, it says in verse 9, after that, it says, tremble before him all the earth. When we come before God knowing who he is more, bringing ourselves in, in, in the realities of who he is, where his mercies are new every day, where we make much of him, ascribe to him glory and honor, I, I believe what the psalmist here is, he's saying, he's saying, look, there's going to be 
something about that when you come in that that's, has trembling. There's, he says in, uh, in verse in verse 3, declares glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Verse 5, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty before him. And it talks about fearing God. There's this fear when we understand who he is. When we understand what we're supposed to be making much of. It's, it's not this light thing. It's like watching a storm from the, from the safety of your, of your basement. Have you ever done that? I used to love doing that as a kid. Grew up in northeast Missouri, and we, we had a lot of storms come through. And, and I, I remember uh, quite a, a couple tornadoes that would kind of follow this path. It's weird how storms do that. And I remember in the safety of our basement watching these storms thinking, if I stepped outside, I, this storm is going to body me, right? I'm going to be toast, but praise God, I have, I have this. See, there's, there's a solemnity when we understand who God is and how to make much of him, how to be a true worshiper of him. We say, oh, man, God, you are good. You are so much, and I am so, so not. See, when we, when we bring ourselves in right relationship to him, when we magnify him, I believe we start to see what it means to be true worshipers him but there's something that happens the psalmist doesn't just stop there there's something that happens when we bring ourselves in right relationship vertically with God when we begin to see him as fresh and new and worthy of our singing and declaring and tell him when we see him as worthy of 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 our ascribing glory making much of him when we come in before him not only in the right places but with the right heart See, our relationship vertically with God has implications with our relationship with others horizontally to be true worshipers of God doesn't just mean that we sing the right songs, but it means we declare the right things, right? It, it, we see that throughout in verse 1. It says, sing to the Lord all the earth. Verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. There's this declaration being worshipers means being declarers of God. In, in First Chronicles, like I said, when they used this psalm and the, the ark was being brought in, the, the people of Israel, the people of God are worshiping, they're, they're, they're proclaiming, they're singing, they're declaring, they're doing all these different things. But, but the reality is they're also saying in the midst of this, in using this psalm, they're saying God is not just a tribal deity. God is not just the God of the Israelites. God is not just the God of the Americans. God is not just the God of what, fill in the blank. God is not just the God of, of whatever your segmented population might be, whether it's male, female, white, black, American, non-American, you know, there's a lot of other things, right? But there's, God, is, God is to be declared among all peoples. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. He's, he's saying, let's not just keep this in, in these four walls. Let's not just keep this in, with anthem people. But there's, if, if we truly are worshipers of God, then we're going to be declares of God. Because I, I think that there is something left undone when good news is not told. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever felt that? Like, have you ever felt it like with a movie? Like for me, when I watch a movie, I'm thinking about it and I'm, you know, I, I, I like to talk about it and think about all the different ins and outs of it. And it's kind of nerdy. I, I get, my wife, she drives her crazy. But, but there's, there's something about when, when you watch a good movie, it becomes all the more good when you begin to talk about it with others. Have you ever felt that? 
Okay, nobody. All right, like, like my dad one time, he came to town and he was visiting with me and, and uh, he was like, oh, you haven't seen, I think it was, uh, uh, I can only imagine that movie. It just came out not too long ago. And he's like, you, you haven't seen, I can only imagine? Oh, it's so good. And he began to tell me everything that happened in the movie from the very beginning to the very end, like literally. I think I sat there for, what, how long is the movie? An hour and a half or something like that. It was like, he gets to the end of it and he's like, See, you just got to watch it. I was like, Dad, no, I don't. You just told me it all. And yes, it was a good movie. I agree. You know? But there's something that happens, isn't there? There's joy that comes when we realize that when, when we begin to talk about what, when I begin to talk about and remember what God did for me back in 1998. There's something that happens when we are declares of, of the fact that God is our salvation and he is the creator and he is, he is all, he's done all these different things and he's continuing to work and he will continue. There's, there's something awesome when we, when we become declares of that. And yet the reality is, as, as um, Paul says in Ephesians 2, 11 through 13, I want to read this for you. Paul says this, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, which is all of us in here, unless you're a Jewish person, all of us non-Jews are Gentiles. And in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, if you want to know more about that, you can go listen to our messages from uh, Galatians. But which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's saying, look, you at one point, we all were separated from the truth of that reality that we just talked about. At one point, we were all separated from the goodness of God. At one point, we didn't know that there was hope in the world. He says, but now that's not true of you. If you are in Christ, you know that there's hope. You know that there's light. You know that there's truth. We can, we can sing and we can declare and we can ascribe and we can do all these different things because we know God. But the reality is, is that in our world today, that cannot be said about a lot of people. In fact, let me ask you a question. Pop quiz. How many people are alive in the world today? What's the global population? Anybody know? A lot. Yes, it's a lot. I heard some people seven. Yeah, I think yesterday when I looked it up, it was like 7.5 or 7.6. It might be different today. Some of you are like, yeah, I got it right. But you didn't say it, so you don't get credit, so I'm sorry. Um, But there's like 7.5 billion people alive in the world today. That's a lot of people. I don't even know. My mind can't think in billions. But do you guys realize that in that 7.5, 7.6 billion people, there are about 3.4 or 3.2, somewhere around there, 3.2 billion people who are living in places where the truth of the gospel has not yet gone. Called unreached people groups. According to uh, joshuaproject.net, it's a website, you can look it up. But there's, again, I can't think in billions. But the, that percentage, it's, it's 41% roughly of the world's population live in places where people are unreached. Where, where people don't know that there's hope. They're, they're living in places of poverty. And, and, and again, in, like it says here, they're, they're worshiping. All the gods of the people, it's worthless idols. They're still worshiping. They still, they're, they're in places where they're saying, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be something that will save me from this. There's got to be something so they become worshipers, and yet they worship gods that aren't God. They worship things that can't save. 
They put their hope and their trust in things that will, that will never help, while we, as people who have the light, the question, what are we doing with it? They, they live in places where there's, where there's darkness, and what this psalm says is that we need to be declarers of God's glory to the nations, to all peoples. And you're saying, well, I don't know, I don't know people from the nations. We have, we have the nations living right here in Colombia. The, the nations, I believe those could be people who are your neighbors. They could be people that you work with. And yet the question is, as, as we say, well, okay, I'm a worshiper of God, the question is, but are you a declarer of God? Because to be a true worshiper of God not only means that we are, we are in relationship with him and we're singing about him and we're declaring and we're ascribing and we have the right heart, but we are declaring his glory to those who have not yet seen and yet all too often, if you're anything like me, I become too content and too comfortable. And it's like, okay, yeah, I want to sing and I want to I get right with God this way. But this way, eh, you know, that takes more work. This way takes more effort. I don't know if I'm about that. You see, we can't do one and not the other. It has implications for us, church. It has implications for us. So the question is, what are we doing with that? Because to be true worshipers of God means that we are declarers of God. Not only that, guys, we, we see through this. Um, I, I love that as we, as we think about what we're to do, right? There's a lot of things that we're to do as being true worshipers, sing and ascribe and declare and, and tell and, and all these different things. And those are, those are indicatives. Those are things that we are called to do. But we haven't even talked about the, uh, those are indicatives, sorry. Uh, those are imperatives. I get these big words mixed up. Those are imperatives, things that we are to do, but imperatives always come with indicatives. Those are things that God has done. And I love that as we think about what does it mean to worship God, it's the, the psalmist is saying, this is what you do. But then he goes around and he says, but this is why you do it. This is what you do. Sing, ascribe, declare, tell, right, to the nations, all these different things. But here's why. Here's what God has done. And we see it through the psalm. We see we, see we should be worshipers of God because of what he's done, because he is our salvation, because he is our creator. We see that in the beginning of the psalm. The, the, all these other gods, they don't do anything for us. But you and I, we worship God because of what he's done. Not only that, but we worship him for what he is doing in the world. We worship him for what he's doing. His salvation is, is new. It's, it's from day to day. We declare it. Not only that, but we see in verse, verse 10, it says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. In the midst of all the uncertainty in our world today, we see the fact that God is still on his throne. It's the same thing that Jesus prayed when he praised the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Why did Jesus say that? Because he wants us to know where, where God's address is, like where we can write letters to. No, he's saying that because he's saying, look, when you pray, pray in such a way that you understand who is the ultimate authority. Our Father who art in heaven, you are enthroned above. You see everything. You are in charge. You are in control. And I am not. See, he says, declare among the nations that in the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of the poverty, in the midst of the genocide, in the midst of, of, of everything, the dictators and, and all these different things, the uncertainty of our life, God is still on his throne and we worship him for that. 
We ascribe glory to him for that. We sing to him for that. We declare that, that he is in charge. Not only that, but, but do we praise him for what he's done, for what he's doing, and the fact that he's not done yet. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still going. He's, it, it says that he judges the peoples with equity, with fairness, with righteousness. That word equity, it's this idea of, of fairness. It's the idea that everything's being put right, put, put back, put, put in, a, in a way that is going to work out for, for the good. See, that's how God is working in our world today. And we praise him for it because he is still honest. He's still working. And then it's interesting because this, this psalm takes, a, takes kind of a hard left turn. Like most of the psalms we were talking about this past week. It, it takes a weird turn in, in 11 through 13, but I, I want to I address it in the time that we have left. In 11 through 13, it says, let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. As I was, as I was reading this, um, just studying through this, when I first read it, you know, there's all these things that we're to do. Sing, 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 declare, ascribe, tell. And then it gets into this place where it's like let. Let the fields rejoice. Let all these things happen and let the, let the sea roar. And I was thinking, okay, these are things that I'm supposed to do. And then it says let. It's like, am I keeping these things from happening? Am I keeping the heavens from declaring his, his righteousness? Am I keeping those? If so, it's like, okay, see, I give you permission to roar, I guess. Luke Hedinger says it's okay. Who's keeping that from happening? I don't think anybody is. That's, that's the reality. I don't think anybody is keeping these things from happening. As we see in Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. The reality is that the natural state of creation is worship. The reality is that I, I love, I was reading Crazy Love, it's been quite a while ago, and I was reading through it, and in that book, uh, he talks about how there are stars out there that we are only now seeing that are just, have you ever seen some of these stars, like from the Hubble, like these pictures and, and stuff that just boggles my mind, and, and one, one question I had at one point was, why are all these things out there if nobody gets to see them? And it's like, how prideful, right? It's like, well, if I can't see it, I guess it doesn't matter. Right? No, no, the, the reason those stars are out there, the reason those things are so beautiful and so incredible is because God is a creator God and he creates things that just in a natural state is to declare his glory, put him on display. As, as Nick was saying, when, when I go see mountains, it makes me worship God. When I go out to, the, to an ocean and I hear the roar of the waves, it makes me worship God. The natural state of creation is worship. And I believe in the same way, the natural state of us as human beings is worship. You want to be truly human? Bring yourself under the reality of who God is and be a worshiper of God. But the, the problem is it doesn't end there. It says let. There's a let after that. Let. Let. That, or then, there is a then, which I believe highlights the fact. He says, then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. See, I believe that highlights the fact that, yes, creation, its natural state is worshiping. But the stars, they don't shine as bright as they could because our created order is broken. In Romans, um, Romans it says, creation groans. 
we, we see the reality that creation groans. And some of you this morning, maybe you're, maybe you're in here and you're like, man, I, I feel that groaning. You, you feel the fact that there, there is brokenness. As we talk about truly worshiping God and, 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 his, and his faithfulness and his goodness, and you're saying, okay, yeah, you tell me to be true worshipers of God, and you tell me to do this but I, because, because of what he's done, because he's good, but, but I don't feel like my situation shows that he's good. You're saying, okay, we should, we should come and worship God because of his power, but, but what about the power I need to see right now in my situation? You, you say that you worship God because he's still on his throne. I need God to work in my situation, and where is he at here? How can I be a true worshiper of God if I'm going through these different things? And I, I believe that the message that we see from the psalmist is not only do we worship God for what he's done, but we worship him because he's not done yet. We worship him because in the midst of our circumstances and our situations, even though we become more fully human when we are worshiping God, the reality is creation and we are still broken and we still groan and God is still working and doing incredible things. I want to end with this, Revelation 21, 1 through 5. This is what God is still doing. This is what he is yet to do. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her, her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. See, you and I, we can be worshipers of God in the reality that he has done amazing things. He has saved us. He has, he has beat death and sin and all these things. And he is still on his throne, but he is not done yet. So Anthem Church, my prayer for us is that we would be worshipers of God, not only so that we could be fully human, we could be just living in the realities of who he is, but so that we would be declarers of him as well. No matter, it, no matter where God has us go, that we would be declarers of his grace, his mercy, his glory. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. As I, as I think about this passage, as I think about what you're continuing to do, God, even in my own life, God, I pray that you would help me to be a person who just understands you more fully. God, help me to be a person who, who is in a place where my relationship with you is not stale, but it is active, and, and I'm able to see you, God, on a, on a daily basis that your salvation, your mercies would be fresh and new. And God, not only that, but the things in my life that are still, they just seem like they're not fair, they seem like you're not working. God, help me to see that you are at work still working and help me to worship you in that reality for the things that you've done and the things that you've yet to do. We praise you. We make much of you, and it's in your name. Amen.